Support for this podcast and the following message comes from KUST Campus Radio, a student-operated, non-commercial radio station. KUST provides students and faculty of St. Thomas a platform dedicated to creative storytelling, diverse viewpoints, and exploring a vast array of audio content. Tune in to any time to KUST at mixler.com slash KUST hyphen radio. Welcome to Keep the Ball Rolling, presented by Tommy Media. On today's show, we talk about our fall sports teams, specifically the Big Tommy football defeat. We bring in St. Thomas women's cross-country standouts Olivia Mole and Gabby Bolser to discuss running. We talk Tommy Johnny football at Allianz Field and Minnesota sports. Welcome back, everyone. Our first show of the semester. I am a co-host, Carly Noble, and I'm joined by Jacob Schneider. Jacob, welcome to your first show. Thank you, Carly. I'm excited to be here. How pumped are you to be a host of Keep the Ball Rolling? I'm stoked. You know, I'm absolutely thrilled to get the opportunity to work here. And, you know, you and I have worked together for this will be our third semester. So, you know, I feel like it's going to be a fun semester. I agree, Jacob. So let's get into it. What should we talk about first? Fall sports at St. Thomas? Fall sports at St. Thomas it is. Okay. Should we talk about football first? That's kind of a big deal. Well, Saturday night was a massive deal as the St. Thomas football team fell to the University of Wisconsin-Eau Claire 21-19. to That was a tough game for us. Jacob and I were both at that game, reporting for Tommy Media, naturally. And uh, the Tommies just could not get it done, and it was a loss nobody was expecting. No, and the thing is, if you look at that first quarter, if you erase the first quarter, the Tommies didn't play a terrible game, but that first quarter was what set them up to uh, to fail for the night. You know, in the first minute of the game, the uh, Blue Golds were up nearly 14-0, and you can't let that happen. It was after that first kick return, and I think it was their pl- number eight, Austin, I forgot what his last name is, he ran for, what was it? 78, 70, yeah, 78, 78 yards. Yeah, 78 yards, and scored. Yeah. And then we got the ball, fumbled. And Eau Claire scores on their yeah. next play. So you're looking in that, that first minute, minute 30 seconds, Eau Claire's up 14-0, and Caruso's side is coming from behind, something they're not really used to. Never. I mean, this team was leading the nation, averaging 71.5 points per game, but not after Saturday's game of only scoring 19. And frankly, they were down 21-7 to at the half. Most of their scoring came in the second half, including a touchdown with 10 seconds left in the fourth quarter. And after talking to Caruso, he said that the top three things that they really struggled with on Saturday night was unfinished drives, turnovers such as fumbles and interceptions, and missed field goal attempts. Yeah, those they uh, missed two field goals Saturday night. You know, those rained big in the late game. You know, they lost by two points. They, uh, they missed two two-point conversion attempts throughout the night as well. So it's little things like that that can see a team like Eau Claire um, beat the t- Tommies, mm-hmm. and it's a big and, win for them. And even though it didn't seem like it, the Tommy offense still dominated uh, with 479 yards of total offense, while the Blue Golds only had 205 total yards. So I don't really know how that adds up, but... <laughs> I think if we're going to mention one thing, though, how incredible was the Blue Gold band? The Blue Gold band... What? How many people were in that? 475 people in one band next to the St. Thomas fan section 
throughout the entire night. They were a ruckus in the stands, and they sounded fantastic during their halftime show as well. I know. It was such like a high school type feeling, like Saturday Night Lights, but it was almost like Friday Night Lights, where it's yeah. nighttime, the band's there, everyone's so loud, the stadium was packed. I'm wondering if the band had any influence on St. Thomas's play. Well, I asked if, I asked uh, quarterback Tommy Dolan that after the game, and I was talking to him, and he said, um, he's not really. He doesn't really get intimidated by noise and the air crowds in the stadium. You know, it's just another football game. But if I'm being in all reality, they were loud. They were intimidating, and they frankly capitalized on every Tommy mistake in the game. The band would cause some sort of ruckus, whether it was a turnover or an interception, or we had to punt on fourth down. The band would capitalize on that situation and, uh, and try to intimidate the Tommy football team. Right, and even though we lost, I mean. I give credit to our players. They really did try really hard in the second half to come back, and we did. We just couldn't couldn't get it done. We scored, and then we had that last touchdown by Gabe Green, and then we just couldn't get the two-point conversion. So, yeah. Carla, I, who would your player of the game be from Saturday night? For our team? Yes. Mm. I think Tom Leffler played well. He He's very stable for our team. I feel like he never he does play really well sometimes, but he never really plays bad. I feel like he's just a solid player for us, a solid running back. He always gets yards and I thought he played pretty well for our team. How about you? I had the same exact thought. You know, oh Leffler was the uh Leffler was the the main source of the running game for the Tommies. Josh Parks just couldn't get things going Saturday night. Uh you unusual for the uh, for the All-American for the Tommies, but Leffler, a senior, filled in his shoes Saturday night, and he uh, pulled out some big runs. There was a big third down conversion late in the fourth quarter that helped the Tommies keep their drive alive. And frankly, I uh, I think he um, he uh, kind of had the momentum going for the Tommies in the sec- latter part of the second half. Mm-hmm. So we lost our game to the Blue Golds, and we've never lost the Blue Golds in our seven times of playing them. So, Jacob, what do you think this means for the rest of the season for St. Thomas football? We have St. John's coming up. We have Bethel. What does that mean for us? I also want to add in Concordia because yep, uh, this weekend usually Concordia is a pretty much of a powerhouse along with Bethel and St. Thomas and St. John's in the MAC. Those are typically your top four. It's the Tommy's homecoming this weekend. You know, your first step has to go and say we need to beat Concordia, but you also have to look at and, and say. Two losses didn't get us in the playoffs last year. Allianz Field, Tommy Johnny, that's a must-win game. Uh, Bethel Royals and St. Thomas Tommies at Bethel, that's a must-win game. If you lose one more game, you put your team at risk of not making the playoffs. You're absolutely right. And this weekend against Moorhead, it's going to be really tough. They have a run-heavy offense, a good defense. Crusoe says he's not expecting them to let up after hearing about this last weekend's game. So... I feel like this weekend's going to be a good one for us. Do you feel like there's any sort of motivation for the Tommies going into this weekend after losing for their first time this I season? Mean, how could there not be? They're probably going to want to show teams that they didn't they didn't play bad on Saturday and that they still are a good team. So I feel like they're definitely going to have a hard week of practice and they're going to have a little fire in them to win against this Moorhead team. How do you feel about Eau Claire's chances the rest of the season? You know, they, they, they're they 2-1 on the season now. It's only the third match. Um, I definitely think that... Their team will be good. They've definitely improved since the past few seasons. And their new coach, Wesley, yeah, he definitely knows how to deal with teams like Caruso's team, and he showed us that on Saturday night. So I feel like there's a little hope. They did, they, did. I think they lost to St. Norbert's last weekend, um, but this definitely helps their confidence after beating St. Thomas. Agreed. I, I agree there. All right, should we move into men's soccer? We can talk about men's soccer. Your favorite uh, sport. It is my favorite sport. <laughs> You're right. 
But big win for them tonight against St. John's. You know, you just came from the game. Can you tell us a little bit about what you saw? I did. Well, let's start with the weather. It was a monsoon out. It was pouring. It was like 50 degrees, I think. So it was definitely tough playing conditions. But we did pull off the win, 3-1. to one. Um, the, t- the Johnnies actually started off scoring for us pretty quick into the first half, which was kind of surprising, but it was just a little miscommunication by our Tommy defense. Um, and then we scored after that, shortly after, by Jake Amy scored. It was a nice pass up the left wing from our defense was up pretty high. Um, Isaac Eckroth was up, and he crossed the ball in. And actually, no, it was Johnny Acevedo, I think, that scored first. He crossed it into Johnny, and then Johnny scored, and then Jake Amy scored. Actually, I might have mixed up. Well, it was Johnny, Jake, and Jack Berry scored, too. So, yeah, three of our guys scored, and they were all good balls. Nice crosses in. We were finishing well, and we definitely had possession most of the game. They were connecting on a lot of passes, so it was good. It was good to see that. So yeah. we look at we look at the Tommy soccer season so far. They had a rough start to the season, but or not they had a rough patch kind of a few games into the season. They started off with a win against Washington, and then they went on to play five games that went into double OT, resulting in a loss or tie. Chicago, Luther, Wartburg, Claremont Mud Scripps, and the Redlands. You know, we look at those games and you know that's a tough stretch to come back on. But Tommies have won two in a row now, and maybe they're finally starting to find their footing as we head into the later parts of the season. Yeah, I definitely think that um, it was definitely a struggle, but as we all know, you learn from that, and I definitely think that they learned from it, and they're making their stride now, and that's when it matters most. October is when it matters the most. The beginning mm-hmm. of the season, every team is working out their kinks and everything, and I know that Coach Lowry was switching up some things. He was switching up players' positions. We had people moving from defense to midfield, from forwards to midfield, captains were switched up so I think it was just a lot of seeing what fits and what works best and different offensive schemes too. I know I've seen Lowry roll out with a a three back and a four back in the defensive uh, area this season tonight against St. John's did they play with a three back or a four back? Um, I think it was three they've been playing a lot up front and heavy that's what for scoring obviously that's what we've been, been needing to do in the beginning of the season, which we struggled with. So yeah. Last time I spoke to Coach Lauer, he mentioned that they're working on a 3-4-3 and a 3-5-2, uh, which means three defenders, four midfielders, and three attackers, or three defenders, five midfielders, two attackers. And um, looking at those two uh, formations, it's it's risky because you really have to have good ball-playing center backs because you uh, have three of them. You have one that stays central, which was typically Jack Berry. Uh, but you mentioned he's moved into the midfield he now. He has the past couple games. And he's been doing well. He's scored two goals since he's been up in midfield. So I feel like that's probably a good move. He does come back on defense because we do need him for his height. And he's really good at throwing the ball. Yeah, he's a massive I, presence in that back line. He's, yeah. So I feel like he can do both. Um, a few other people were moved around. But I don't know. I see, I see hope for this team going forward. They're on a good win streak right now and definitely beating – St. John's was a confidence booster tonight, I'm sure. And you mentioned Jack Barry has two goals. So Barry, mm-hmm. typically a defender, uh, has two goals. Their leading scorer, Halver Hogg, is also a defender. Hal has three goals. So for mm-hmm. the Tommies, goal scoring <laughs> has been an issue this season. Your Two of your defenders shouldn't be two of your top scorers on your team if you look at things. You Jake know? Amy, I think, is tied now with Hal after scoring tonight. So he's okay. scored three. He's a good forward for us. But, um, yeah. Our defense has been scoring. Because yeah, Hal has, wasn't it two overtime winners for Hal this season? Uh, yeah. Yeah, you know, that's that's a big performance from the junior uh, defender. Mm-hmm. And, you know, if we look at it, that's the kind of leadership you need. When your team's struggling, you need to come up big in those kind of moments and uh, bring your team forward and say, hey, I've got this, you know, and score and right. get the win. 
And I find it interesting it's still a pretty young team. It's mainly consisting of sophomores and juniors, a couple of freshmen that play, and then a couple seniors. So still a young team, which is good. That means we have hope in the years to come. But I'm excited to see what this team can do the rest of the season. I, I think so too. But also, if we look at women's soccer on the other side of things, they've had a fantastic run of form so far this season, including a monumental win against the number two ranked uh, University of Washington St. Louis early on in the season. So I think this would now be a good time. Let's talk about women's soccer here at St. Thomas, Carly. Let's do it. So I was looking at their stats. I don't know, Jacob, does this seem like a high number for you? They've had 121 shots on goal this season. Averaging 15.1 shots per game on goal. That's pretty high. Carly, that is insanely high. Uh And, you know, if you look at that, you think a team that takes 15 shots per game, the the control in the midfield to get the ball forward, the chemistry the team has to have, the ability to even get five shots off in a game is incredible, you know? The St. Thomas women's soccer team is really a threat this season, not only in the MIAC, but I'm looking towards, you know, the D3 playoffs. I agree. I haven't covered women's soccer yet this season, but from what I've seen, I need to get to some games because I have a feeling they're probably going to make it far. So let's talk about goalkeeper Sarah Pasternak. Pasternak is a fantastic addition for the Tommies this season in that she's taken over the starting role, and she won uh, Mayak Athlete of the Week and Mayak Soccer Player, or, or no, Division Three Soccer national, Player. Yeah, yeah, National Player of the of the Week, right? We did, and I think Tommy Media just did a story on her. Yeah, so. she had 12 saves in one game. That's insane. Yeah. Good for her. Yeah. And juniors Kate Heimer and Paige Cater are also leading the team in five assists each. So Kate's obviously one of our strong. She plays midfield forward. Um, she scores and she assists and does it all. So I remember how big Kate's role was in the team last year mm-hmm. when I went to uh, University of Wisconsin Lacrosse to follow the team in the national tournament. Kate had a massive overtime goal that sent the Tommies to a penalty shootout. Fortunately, they lost, but I know uh, she's a player the team can really rely on in those big moments. For sure. Also, another strong team we have for fall sports is women's volleyball. Jacob, you know a little bit about them. You wrote a story on one of their players, and you're hosting them this week on The Locker Room. Can you tell us a little bit about them? I am. The women's volleyball team uh, actually had a really interesting start to the season. Their first 16 games were on the road. How often do you see that in any sport, Carly? That's really odd. You don't, first of all, 16 matches. I know volleyball is in matches, but that just seems like a ton. Secondly, um, I like playing at home. I don't know if I was an athlete. I wish I was. <laughs> I would want to play at home in front of my fans. It's got to be a bit frustrating. Yeah, but I feel like now they have a few games at home coming up, so that'll be good to get a few of those under their belt. Yeah, but in those 16 games, they were 14-3. and three, You know, and they're 2-0 and in the Mayak yeah. now. They won their op- their home opener last week. And they, uh, their libero, their setter, Grace Anna Tippa, recently won Mayak Volleyball Player of the Week. And uh, she came in um, for a four-year starter for the Tommies this year, and she's taken the role by storm, uh, their coach was telling me. Uh, Anna Tippa had um, not played many minutes last season, and she's hopped into the starting roster this year, and she looks like she's a four-year veteran. You know, she's really taking control of the team. The chemistry within the team goes through your libero, and she's really done a fantastic job getting this team to where they are. And now as the Tommies kind of get a, a stretch of home matches, they can really rely on uh, their younger core, including Anna Tippa, which will be fun. You know, it's good for them, and it's going to be fun to watch. Um, let's move into golf. Surprisingly, even though it's weather, it's still golf season. <laughs> um, men's golf, women's golf, which one do you want to start with? Um, start with men's golf, because they uh, recently competed in a big tournament this past weekend. 
Um, they uh, took second place in the Twin Cities Classic, a three-day, 54-hole 50, game between 15 teams. And, you know, the Tommies did fairly well, you know. They took second place. That's good. That's really good. That's good heading into uh, this weekend. They're starting the Maya Championships, which is their last tournament of the season until mm-hmm. spring. So They head into the tournament ranked number 11 in the nation. That's good for them. And, you know, on the opposite end of things, women's golf, they just finished up their Mayak championships. Uh, how'd they, they do? They took fourth in the Mayak, which is pretty good. I mean, it's not winning, but it's not losing. It's That's a good season for our women's golf team. Yeah. And freshman Kayla Kim took third out of 54 golfers in an individual round, you know. And that's a freshman for the Tommies, you know. There's a lot to look forward there. You know, if you have somebody uh, coming in as a first year placing that high, you know, that's somebody you can look forward to seeing uh, as she grows through uh, the Tommy Golf. Yet again, we have another team that's ranked. Men's Cross Country is ranked 35th in the nation. I mean, that doesn't seem super low, but it's still a ranking, and that's good. Why do all of our teams have rankings? I guess Tom- St. Thomas is just good at athletics, Carly. I know, and the Tommy men for Cross Country are ranked 4th in the NCAA North region by the USTFCAA, so... That was good. That was a good ranking for them to get in the beginning of the season. And, you know, um, some of the courses they run are really difficult. You know, they sometimes they can be flat trails. Sometimes they're going to be really hilly. Um, Carl Watchter, uh, a Shakopee High School grad, had his debut race of 2019 and posted a 30-second win over runner-up Jake Leepak of McAllister on September 11th, uh, which helped the Tommies edge the Scots 28, uh, 29-28 in the annual Summit Cup dual meet. Uh, watched her uh, clock 21.04 for four miles and took first out of 36 runners. So they've had three races total like the women's team has. Um, they are running this weekend in Warburg, Iowa, so that'll be another good test for them. And they have so many more races to come, and it's October 1st. <laughs> you know, St. Thomas St. Thomas Athletics are excelling this fall, and cro- men's cross country is just one of those teams. Lastly, women's cross country I'm excited to talk about and excited to bring them in next. They just won the Roy Griak invite at Minnesota. Super tough course. First time ever winning that. So that's super exciting for them. They have a lot of good runners this year. Good team chemistry. Carly, you have a little bit of cross-country experience. You want to tell us a little bit about the Griak? I think you ran it once in high school. I have. I ran it my senior year of high school. For those of you who don't know, Roy Griak, he coached at Minnesota and had a huge deal with them. So this this, uh, race is named after him and the whole invite is. But uh, that course is very tough, very tough. It is extremely hilly. I can't. There's probably 20 hills in it. I'm not. I'm not being wow. exaggerative. Like wow. there's a lot of hills. Um, when I ran it, it was raining, so it's really hard to run up hills when it's raining because you feel like you're gonna slide down. Well, it's basically the weather we have right now for the past exactly. week. Exactly. Um, and it's just a tough course. You. It's definitely the hardest course I've ever ran. I did not feel well after running that course. So it's a tough course, and that's great that they won it. So I'm excited to talk to these girls about what it took to win that. I am as well. All right, we'll bring them on next. St. Thomas Women's Cross Country is ranked number 20 in the nation, and having competed in three big meets this far into the season, they most recently won the Maroon Division Three at the Roy Griak Invite, where they beat one ranked Division Two team, number 17 Northern Michigan, and finished four teams behind the ranked top 15 in Division Two at Griac. Today we welcome on runners Olivia Mull and Gabby Bolser. Welcome, ladies. Thanks for having us. Yeah, thank you. So this past weekend, this was the first time St. Thomas' team has ever won the Roy Griac invite. Could you tell us a little bit about what this was like for the team? I think it was like 
I wouldn't say a shock because we've had some like really uh, good performances before this, but to get first is like really special at a huge race like the GRIAC. And um, we were second last year, and to have a first place finish this year was just like amazing. Awesome. Gabby, what do you think helped the team achieve this high of a goal? Um, I think we all put like really good training in over the summer and have been working like really hard at practice every day um, and just kind of doing the little things day to day that really help. Cool. Uh, Olivia, you finished 27th at GRIAC in a field of 375 runners with a time of 23.22 for 6,000 meters. What was it that helped you get through the race and place in the top 50? Um, we, had, we knew we had to go out really hard in the beginning because there were so many runners. Um, and then we really focus on finding each other during the race, always like racing with our teammates. And about three-fourths of the way in, that's kind of when you have to make your move. And I like running in that style. So I did that, and I kept up with some of the um, D2 girls, and that really helped me have a strong finish. Was that your best GRIAC race so far? Yes. Yeah. Yeah. Because you ran in high school. Yes. Uh, yeah. Well, do you know what your times were like in high school? Well, high school's a 5K, so it's kind yeah. of hard to compare the times, but um, the finish is always a grind, and it was the same this year, but you just have to be strong, and you know, it's like only 200 meters left, and you'll be, what's you'll be the, done. What's the hardest part of the course, do you think? I think and it honestly is a finish. Like the first mile, there's no hills, but then the rest of the course is like completely hills. Right. And the weather, how was the weather that day on Saturday? It was perfect. Like, I think it was like in the 50s and sunny, so we couldn't really ask for any better. And you like running in the cold. I, I love running in the cold. But Olivia likes the heat. I do, yes. It was a nice balance, yeah. I think. <laughs> so Olivia, you're going to be running in Kentucky this yes. upcoming weekend. Yeah. What's the weather supposed to be like, the course you're going to be running on? On Friday, it's supposed to be about 90, but we race on Saturday, and it's going to be about 70, so it should be pretty good. Do you know anything about the course? Um, I've heard that it's really flat, which I'm super excited for. Just a nice, like, flat, fast course. I like okay. that, yeah. And Gabby, you're going to be running at St. Kate's. Mm-hmm. What, did you know, what do you know about St. Kate's courts? Um, so we do a lot of our workouts over there, so it's not super hilly, which is nice. Um, I generally like running on hills a little bit more, um, So, but it's only a 5K, so that'll be fun to kind of go with a shorter race for a week, um, kind of see how we are compared to our last 5K two weeks ago, so it'll be exciting. For sure. So the team was ranked number 19th coming into the season. You've only dropped one spot since then. How do you think the team has been able to maintain such a high standing? I think our focus was really just racing together. Um, at least our top seven, we're always really consistent in staying together for most of the race. And we've all been putting in so much work and always training together that really have brought us a nice um, racing style. Yeah. What has the competition been like at all the meets? Um, the first two races, uh, like our top seven, were pretty far up like compared to the rest. Uh, the GRIAC was like a lot more people around us so that can be fun but it's also really challenging when you're like 4k into a race and there's still a ton of people around you and you're battling traffic the entire time mm-hmm. um so we've had like a really big variety over the course of the year which has been interesting has anybody fallen in the first what is it 100 meters where they have to restart the race have you had any of that this year no. no. That's good. Luckily. That's, yeah. that's the worst part is yeah. what it is. So many trips, and then you have to mm-hmm. come back and just yeah. get nervous again. Nervous yeah. Again. yeah, exactly. So, Olivia, you won Mike Athlete of the Week after taking first in a field of 139 runners at the Luther All-American. What does an accomplishment like this mean to you? Uh, it was really nice to see that coming out that week. And um, it's just nice because I know my teammates support. Well, we support each other so much, and our coach is amazing. So it was just really nice to be highlighted like that.
What was your mentality going into the race? Um, I knew I wanted to stay with um, the other girls, and then I felt pretty good with about a mile to go, so I knew I kind of had to break myself off, and um, it worked out well for me, and I was able to have a really strong finish, so it was a good race. Now, what kind of what kind of course was that that you ran? Was it hilly? Was it flat surface? Was um, it... It's like the whole course is flat, except there's this one giant hill that you have to do like twice, but other than that, it's flat, so... I, can't complain too much. Do you guys enjoy when you have to like run a second a part of the course a second time? Or is that bad for you? Like knowing you have to go back and do it again? I like it. It's like a really easy to way to like gauge where you are in the race and kinda like gauge like how am I feeling now versus like how much longer I have to go. Right. So that makes sense. So either of you, how would you describe the women's cross country team dynamic this year? The team chemistry. Um I think we're all having a lot of fun. Like, we're all just seem to, like, work really good together and, like, training and long runs, everything. Um, it's a lot of fun. The girls are just so nice and supportive, and we've had, a, like, a lot of strong relationships. So, yeah. Yeah, I would totally agree with you what you said. And, like, our top seven are doing so well, and, like, uh, the second group behind them really has someone to, like, work up to and, like, a really good – they're setting a really good example right now, which is cool, so – is there anything you want fellow Tommies to know about women's cross country that we might not know? Oh boy. <laughs> <laughs> um, uh, running can be fun. Yes. <laughs> we actually have a lot of fun. Yeah. That's good. And you guys practice every day? What, uh, what are your off days? Um, Sundays. Sundays. Yeah, which okay. is yeah those yeah. are a nice rest mm-hmm. days. <laughs> and so how often, like how many miles do you run on an average day? Average day, uh, it just depends like on like when you have five a and then nine would be our longest. Yeah, five yeah. and nine. Okay, and you run around campus or trail? Um, yeah. yeah, like we'll run the streets around here, run along the river, um, up Summit a lot. So. Mm-hmm. Okay. <laughs> so when you guys are running, is there any sort of music you guys listen to or do you kind of just like uh, the fri- the sound of the fresh air going by you? Yeah, yeah we actually don't really do music. No, uh, if unless it's like we're on the treadmills yeah, and we do, right. but when we're outside, we just chat and... Mm-hmm have a good time yeah it makes it go time. by pretty fast yeah like <laughs> talking right. yeah do you guys have a favorite place to when you're running down by the river somewhere that's like just beautiful scenery or you know you're looking by the houses or yeah it's uh, running by the river is super pretty i like running down summit but it's like hard to look at the houses because the sidewalk is so uneven yes. that you have to like be watching <laughs> where you're going um but sometimes like if you're doing a really hard workout you're not really taking in the scenery as much <laughs> So lastly, we have one last fun question for you guys. What is your all-time favorite cross-country course that you've ever ran in your entire life, and why? Um, mine um, is probably in high school. There's um, is like the Rice Lake Invitational. That's where I got my PR, and we like our girls team made it to state for the first time like ever. So it was just like a super memorable course, and it was really flat. We all had good times, and it was super amazing. Um, I'd probably say the course at Nike Cross Regionals. It's just, it's a really flat course that's at the end of the year, so you generally get a pretty fast time, which is really fun after, like, working so hard, um, especially when some of your other end-of-the-year races are in harder courses, and then just the atmosphere there is really fun, too. Cool. Well, I think that's all the time we have for now. Good luck this weekend to both of you. Thank you. And thanks for joining us today. All right, so Carly, let's talk Minnesota sports now. You know, there's a lot going on. (laughs) Minnesota sports right now. We talk Tommy Johnny football at Allianz Field. We can talk the Twins clinching the playoffs, Minnesota United clinching the playoffs. 
and what's going on with Kirk Cousins. Yeah, let's talk about it. All right, so Tommy Johnny at Allianz Field. Let's start with that. Tommy Johnny, 2018 game at St. John's. It was not what the Tommies expected. They kind of got blown out, blown out against their rivals. Not pretty. So definitely we're going to want to win this next one, and we kind of have to. You know, and it's a big game for St. Thomas students, for the athletes, for even alumni. You know, Allianz Field is sold out for the event. 19,600-plus people are going to be there. And let's talk about St. Thomas students, how fast their tickets sold out. Seniors sold out in an hour and seven minutes. I'm juniors, disappointed in our class. Yeah. Juniors, seven hours and 59 minutes. But sophomores, 44 minutes they sold out in their allocation That's of seats. That's insane. And then the freshmen, you know, we never got the actual number, but it's probably, probably better than the eight hours it took uh, the junior class. For sure. I mean, Tommy Johnny is such a fun game that all students, that's the best game of the year. Oh, yeah. And it's something that even though we have been kicked out of the Mayak, I hope it continues. It's a tradition unlike mm-hmm. any other in terms of D3 football. You know, in my opinion, in my eyes, I see this as one of the best rivalries in Division three sports in college football. And Yeah, for sure. And I would say just in college football in general. Because this is one of the biggest games. we They always sell out. Target Field, what? How much was that? 44,000. Yeah, a lot. So Allianz is smaller than that. Sold out. And tickets are going for a lot of money right now yeah, because people want to go to the game. Secondhand tickets are anywhere from like $200 plus right now. That's insane. But Allianz Field, let's talk Allianz Field. They are replacing their turf this weekend or this, this week ahead of Tommy Johnny and playoffs for Minnesota United. There were some drainage problems with an installation. They uh, they found that out this past summer, and the turf has been in some rough shape over the past month and a half. But they replaced in the turf this week, and there should be brand new grass ahead of the uh, Tojo game in a few weeks. So, Jacob, you know this. Minnesota United, your favorite team ever. <laughs> Minnesota United has a playoff game the Sunday after, to- after Tojo, following the game. What is this going to do for the football game? Anything? Well, the game after Tojo hasn't been fully confirmed. It's okay. like 90% going to happen. Okay. Going into Sunday, Minnesota United uh, go- travels to Seattle, and the winner between Seattle and Minnesota United will take uh, second place in the Western Conference, and whoever wins that game will get home field advantage all throughout the playoffs, and whoever doesn't um, will have to travel after the quarterfinals if they advance that far. But for Minnesota, more than likely, we're going to see a, a home game hosted on the, the day after Tommy Johnny, and it's going to be interesting. Um, I really hope that the grounds crew has uh, a plan in place because, you know, football is a lot different than soccer in terms of uh, how it's going to tear up the turf. Yep, for sure. And if we look at uh, how big of a, of a playoff game this is for the, the Loons, it's their first time ever clinching um, the playoffs in MLS history in three years. Uh, the team talked about a three-year plan their entire time. Three year has uh, their three, The third year now has worked out impressively, and they're ready um, to take on the best in MLS. And it's going to be an exciting next month for Minnesota sports in general because not only did the Loons clinch the playoffs, within the same hour the Minnesota Timbs, Twins Clinch the playoffs too. Carly, is this the single best hour in Minnesota sports history? Um, sure. Sure. Two Minnesota sports teams <laughs> clinched the playoffs. I when... thought it was interesting that the Twins only had a 36% chance of making the playoffs going into the season. How does that even happen? Well, the Twins were not expected to be good this year. Neither were was Minnesota United. So seeing that both teams are kind of underdogs and making the playoffs, it's the feel-good story of the year, in my opinion. You know, there's two teams with awesome fan bases, and it's going to be a fun time in the ne- for Minnesota sports fans in general over the next month, as the Twins 
Um, here's my shocked face. I'm sure you can picture what it looks like. They're going to play the Yankees in Ooh. the playoffs. The Big Twins. Yankees. Oh, God. The Twins and the Yankees. What a rival. Since 2003, 15 of the 18 playoff games the Twins have played have come against the Yankees, Carly. That is insane. Are they going to be playing at Twi- at the Twin Stadium first? Uh, we don't know yet. That hasn't come know? out yet. Okay. But during that time, the Twins are 2-13 and 13 against the Yankees. Oh. Yeah. Oh. So the odds aren't in their favor. However, That'll be interesting. we root for Minnesota sports no matter what. Do we, though? Do we really? Unless it's Kirk Cousins. Let's transition to the Vikings now. What's going on with him? Kirk Cousins. What the? He His game last weekend. I don't know if the man knows how to throw. 80-plus million guaranteed. Was it worth it? No. And Do you think Mike Zimmer's time is up? Ooh. See, we talk about Mike Zimmer. I think Stephon Diggs' time is up. There's rumors that he's going to be traded to the Patriots coming out really? this week. You know, uh, with the Antonio, Antonio Brown saga ending now, the Patriots need another wide receiver. Stephon Diggs wants out because he's not happy with Kirk Cousins, as rumor has it. So, Minnesota Vikings, you're in a tough spot. You have a quarterback making $80 million plus guaranteed. <laughs> oh, gosh. But you also have your best wide receiver, um, well, Adam Thielen, too. To the, let's say the best wide receiver duo in the league between mm-hmm. Thielen and Diggs. Yep. You're going to lose one of them if you don't cut your losses right now and figure out what's going on with Kirk Cousins. Right. If he can play, he can play. But right now, he cannot play, and it's not going to work out for the Vikings. So the question is, are the team's struggles strictly offensive problems, or could it be the entire team, the organization? Oh, like you said, is, is Zimmer's time up? I don't know. <laughs> it's going to be tough. They're going to have to make a tough decision um, on Zimmer's future. Right. If you, because we are bottom of the NFC North, you know, who wants to say they're below? Go pack. Who wants to say they're below the the Green Bay Packers? Nobody, <laughs> you know. Yeah, uh, Car- Carly's a big Packer fan big for context head. here. But frankly, the Vikings need to figure it out because if they head into the later part of the season with their current run of form, it's not going to work out. Mike Zimmer's not going to have a job. And the Vikings might lose one of their best wide receivers in the National Football League. That would be rough. Skull Vikes, am I right? Uh, Skull Vikes, am I right? Thanks for your uh, time here, Stefan. I appreciate it. Well, Jacob, thanks for doing my your first podcast with me. I, I really appreciate it, Carly. I thank you for joining me. We will be back, everyone. So thanks, everyone, for joining us on our first episode of the semester. Stay tuned to TommyMedia.com for full St. Thomas sports coverage and, of course, more Keep the Ball Rolling episodes to come. For Jacob Schneider and Althea Larson, I'm Carly Noble.